Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. So we're going to start a new series today. And we're going to start in Mark 16, verse 15, very familiar passage. And he said to them, that's Jesus, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He said to them, go into all the world. Everybody say the world. And preach the gospel to every creature. So today, if you're taking notes, I'm going to start a new series, and it's going to be called Change Your World. Change Your World. But specifically today, in this series, I want to talk today about preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Now, this message today is going to be a helpful message. But maybe a more simplistic message, but it's really the simple things that we forget about and that we need reminding of. And so we're going to start in Mark 16, 15, like I just said, and we're going to focus in on preaching the gospel. Now, today, when we're talking about change your world, you need to realize that I feel like that God laid this on my heart when I was thinking about the fall and thinking about... um, a series to preach, and I felt that I was done with my assignment about preaching on faith. We preached on faith for two months, preached on faith so much I blew my vocal cords out. So I preached it on faith for two months straight to strengthen your faith, and I felt like, God, well, what do you want me to talk about next? And I felt strongly about to preach a series about personal evangelism, in changing your world. It's something we need to talk about in the church. It's so very important. It's, it's such a foundational thing and a simple thing, but overlooked with a lot of church people. Overlooked, especially in, let me just say, churches like ours, Word of Faith people, Spirit-filled people. A lot of times, personal evangelism and sharing your faith and sharing the good news is not something talked about a lot. Thus, we don't see a lot of growing churches that are like us because they don't share their faith. They keep their faith to themselves. They like their faith. They just don't happen to share it with other people. But it's not always their fault. It's because pastors and preachers don't talk about it in churches like ours a lot. They don't talk about sharing your faith or personal evangelism. When it's kind of a big deal (laughs) to Jesus in the Bible, that's one of the last things he said before he left was that we need to go into all the world and preach the gospel, that we need to share the gospel to all nations. We need to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that they would, you know, people would be changed by his power and that they would be saved through him. It's kind of a big deal. It's the last thing that Jesus said, but it's never talked about. So we need to talk about it. And uh, you you, you seem a little sober about this. Nothing I'm saying is bad or sober. This is going to be a good message. It really is. This whole series is going to be great. You guys are already getting very serious. You're like, okay, we're blowing it on personal evangelism. If you got that attitude, your attitude stinks, and I'm not saying that. It really does. But we need to talk about things because if you find today, and you will the next however long we preach about this, if you were really doing this, this would bring the greatest joy to your life. You would be so excited and fulfilled because you're doing the number one mission and purpose you're called to be on this planet right now. More than be married, more than make money, more than raise children, more than have a career, more than get fit, more than read a book, more than anything else on the planet. The number one purpose and mission you were created was to preach the gospel and to be on God's mission and purpose. And if you're not, that's probably why you're grumpy and depressed and not excited about about your life? I said, I'm not going to preach. I got to calm it back down. But that's the number one mission and purpose that God has put us on this planet for is to change the world. Not just to take up space and time until he comes back. And we're always saying, God, please come back. And he's saying, no, you do something first and then I will come back. That's the way this thing goes. Until we finish what God has started through the power of the Holy Spirit, he's not coming back. 
couple amens, couple of me's, couple of my's. So it's the truth, whether you want to hear it or not. And we're going to talk today about changing your world, but we change it through preaching the gospel. So as you know, the world is kind of in a bad place. Just to say, uh, say it lightly, um, there's just chaos and pain and hopelessness, not just in this country, but all the countries. Uh, financial situations and uh, COVID and disease and poverty and, and sex trafficking and racism and you name it, the world is hopeless because all the systems they put their faith in have completely failed everything. It's, it's not fun to see all the systems fail, but you're like, I knew this was coming. The good part about it is that people are open to an alternative. Because they realize it didn't work. The human experiment didn't work. Our governments didn't work. The financial system didn't work. The sexual thing didn't work. The gender thing didn't work. Racism didn't work. This didn't work. Education didn't work. And they're finding we completely blew it, guys. Even in this country, the most prosperous you know, greatest, most powerful country on the world. But those things have happened, but it's setting us up for the greatest opportunity that we've ever seen in the church for change. The Bible says when the world gets darker, the church shines brighter. When things get worse on the outside, that means they're looking for answers and the church has it. But they will never know if all of us, which is the church, keeps our mouth shut when we really got the answers. And so I feel like God is setting up us up, not just this church, but every church who loves Jesus on the planet. We're stepping into the greatest opportunity and revival that we have ever stepped into. But it's going to come through preaching the gospel. We change the world, number one, through preaching the gospel. And the Bible uses the language as harvest time. That there's harvest times and harvest seasons on the earth. And I believe not just uh, literally we are stepping into harvest time, the fall time. But I believe spiritually we're stepping into a harvest season as a church because the time is ripe for harvest. People are ready to listen. Trust me, people are ready to listen. People are right to be picked for the gospel right now because of what's going on in our world. And I feel there's a supernatural harvest season, not just for this church, but every church who loves Jesus, because the way the situation the world is in, and there's an opportunity in a season to harvest. Now, let's read what Jesus spoke in Matthew 9, 37, 38. Matthew 9, if we have it there. Did I give you Matthew 9? Maybe. Could be. I can go old school if necessary. Boom, there it is. Listen to what Jesus said. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful. But what's the issue? <laughs> but the laborers are few. Next verse. Therefore pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers into his harvest. But notice verse 37, what Jesus said. Now he's talking about harvest. He's not talking about corn. He's talking about people. Verse 37, if we could pull that back up. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful. Some translations say the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. And that's the situation we're in as a church in the church. The harvest is great. How many know there's almost 8 billion people on the planet? And about 2.5 billion on the planet? Are Christians? 
There's a lot of harvest. There's a lot of people that need to know Jesus. It's not time to close up shop and go to heaven. No, there's a lot of billions and billions of people that need to know Jesus. The harvest is plentiful. And if it was plentiful 2,000 years ago, it's very plentiful today. The harvest is great, but what's the issue? The laborers, the workers are few. Not the people that go to church are few. There's plenty of them. But the people that are actually praying for God to do something are few. The people that are actually sharing their faith to other people are few. The people that are actually living this Christian life are few. The people that are actually doing what God has called them to do on the mission and the purpose and the plan of God are few. But the harvest is great. The issue is we need more laborers into the harvest fields. But there's something that happens in harvest time because we're about to step into harvest time just in southern Indiana in the seasons. Y'all going to be taking your pictures of Huber's with your pumpkins and your corn stalks. I mean, I get tired of seeing those pictures. And, you know, you got to be drink, drinking your, your apple cider and you're going to be, you know, doing your thing with your, your cozy hoodies and all that. And it's harvest time and the harvest homecoming. But we need to realize that in harvest time, this is what happens. Harvest time is a season. And it's an opportunity. They call it harvest season because people have been planting and planting and watering and watering. And then there is an opportunity in a season where all those crops and all those fruit or veggies or whatever it is comes out of the earth and becomes ripe. And if you don't pick it in a harvest season, you will lose the harvest. And we got Christians acting like they can just wait around a while to share their faith. They can wait around a while to do something. They can wait around a while to pray about what God's going to do. They can just wait around. But no, God says, no, this is a harvest time and a harvest season. There's an opportunity. And if you don't pick it now, you'll miss it. And if you don't do something now, you will miss it. You will lose the harvest if you don't pick it when the time's right. Is that correct? And in harvest season, sometimes because there's so much harvest, these farmers will work all day and all night just during harvest season because they don't want to miss the harvest. A lot of farms will hire extra people. He said the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Because they don't want to miss the harvest. So they'll hire a bunch of extra people only in that season. Because now's the opportunity and the time to pick. And if we don't get it now, the harvest will be lost. Now, Jesus was not talking about crops and pumpkins and corn. He was talking about people. And we have to think the same way about it. God gives us opportunities and seasons as a church where it's time to harvest, it's time to pick, it's time to plant, it's time to sow. And we don't need to miss those. Because if we miss them, we will miss the harvest that's supposed to come to us. This is what I've seen and happened a long time, not just with this church, but other churches. They will pray for years about revival, about the harvest, about souls. And then when times like this come, they won't actually go do anything outside the four walls of the church. And then they'll be disappointed, and then they'll just keep praying. Aren't you tired of hearing that at church? Because they prayed for revival last year, and it didn't happen, so then revival's the next year, 
and then revival's the next year, and then harvest is the next year, and this is going to be our year, 2021, you know, and 2022. Aren't you tired of hearing that for decades at a time and nothing happening? You know why? Because people are just praying, and they're not working in the fields. God says he's looking for workers in the fields. The fields aren't in here. We up in the barn, y'all. This is the barn. This is where you get the seed. This is where you get the fertilizer. This is where you get the stuff to water. The fields are out there. The fields are at your school. The fields are at your job. The fields are in your neighborhood. The fields are at your gym. The fields are in your community. The fields aren't here. So listen to me. You can pray till you die that God would do something and that God would reach souls and that we would have revival and the harvest would come. But unless you open up your mouth, it won't happen. I told you I'm not going to preach. I got to calm down here. So it's hard for me to ration it down. Brother Josh, you're helping me. You got me turned up as loud as I can go without making the speakers make a sound. Notice what it says in Matthew 9, 37 in the Passion. He turned to his disciples and said, The harvest is huge and ripe, but there are not enough harvesters to bring it all in. Look what Jesus said. The harvest is huge and ripe, but there are not enough harvesters to bring it all in. So we want to continue today, and we're talking about changing your world. And we change our world by preaching the gospel. Let me explain to you why I said change your world. Well, that is God's plan and God's mission and purpose that the world would be changed through us, through his church, the spirit and the church working together. But notice it didn't say change the world. Because none of you in here, unless your name is Jesus Christ, is going to change the world. And God hasn't given you that weight and responsibility. The thing is, I, I think for a lot of church people, when they hear change the world... They just don't do anything because that's too big of a task. Saying, I'm solely responsible for 7.8 billion people. No, you're not Jesus. You're not. But what the Bible does say is that you need to change your world. What is your world? Your world is where God has given you influence. Where God has given you favor. It's where you work. It's where you go to school. It's it's, uh, family. It's friends. It's... Everything that pertains to your life, God wants you to change your world, not the world. But how does the world get changed? If all of us change our world, then the world will be changed. If Amzi changes his world, which is different than mine, and Ms. Liz changes her world that's different than mine, and Anthony changes his world that's different than mine, guess what? If everybody's changing their world, the world will eventually be changed. That's why all of us are important to the plan of God and no one is without significance because everyone has a part to play and a role to play in what God is doing. And I can't reach people that you can reach. And I can't change your world. You got to change your world yourself. Now, It's God's plan and mission that we don't just change the world, but we change our world. But we do that, and I want to emphasize this today, by preaching the gospel. Now, that's not the only way, but that's the first way we want to talk about today, by preaching the gospel. Let's look at Mark 16 and 15 again. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Preach the gospel to every creature. Now, in Mark 16, and also in Matthew 28, 
it records the writings or the last statements of Jesus before he ascended up into heaven and he told his disciples a few things before he left. He told them to go into all the world and to go into all nations and to change the world by preaching the gospel. The Bible records it as this is called the Great Commission. Not the great suggestion. <laughs> Not the great, when you get around to it, you guys could do it if you wanted to. The Great Commission. But I love it that it's called the Great Co-Mission. Because the mission that God has us on is not just him and it's not just us. It's us working together with him. That's what the Bible says. We are co-workers with God. We are co-laborers with God. We are partners with God in what he's doing. And it's a co-mission. The spirit of God is doing this, but he's doing it through his church. And it's a co-mission. And the co-mission is that we as believers change the world by the power of God. That we are a part of God saving the world. Now, we're not the saviors, but we are a part of saving the world by pointing them to the Savior by preaching the gospel. And that takes the boredom out of the Christian life. If you're bored with church and God and your Bible and what you're doing, then you're not living on the mission. You're not living on the purpose because if you were, that would be the biggest thing in your life. You would have so much purpose, so much fulfillment, so much joy, so much passion just to get out of bed every day, no matter what your job, no matter what your background, because you know that you're on a divine commission for God everywhere you go. Now, how many people think that way? Not many, and not many, by the way. You're looking at me right now. You've lost sight of the commission when you look at people that way, when you wake up that way. You forgot that you're called to something great. Every one of us in here. But we do that through preaching the gospel. Now, the more you respond, the less I strain my voice. Okay? All right. All right. You got quiet on me a second. Because the quieter you get, you know what that means, the louder I get. So what is the gospel? Well, the gospel comes from this Greek word, evangelion. Yeah, that's why I get paid the big bucks to do. It sounds like some other words, and because it comes from, or later on, other words have come from that word evangelion. The word evangelism comes from that word. Evangelical comes from that word. Evangelist comes from that word. Because it's all rooted in that word evangelion, or gospel. Now, evangelion, or the word gospel, meaning is very simple. It means good news. Good news. Evangelion or gospel means good news. So when we say evangelism, that means we're sharing the good news. When you say you're an evangelical, that means you believe the gospel or the good news about Jesus. When you're an evangelist, that means you're someone who shares the good news. So the gospel means good news. But let me share with you something interesting. So we see this word gospel or good news, but it's important when you read your Bible that not only can you look up words in the Greek or the Hebrew or Aramaic and find a lot of really interesting definitions to know where those words came from, but also it's interesting sometimes to study not just where those words came from, but how were they used in the time that they were written? Oh, I'm taking you to a whole nother level here. Now stay with me, y'all. So we see that that word gospel 
is used in the time and the day that it was written when Jesus said it and when Paul said it. It was used in Rome. Now, Rome was the superpower of that day. And as you know, Rome was ruled by an emperor, Caesar. And they referred to Caesar as either God or the son of God. And so when they were writing about Caesar or the emperor of that day, they would send out people with messages. They didn't have cell phones. They didn't have computers. They had to literally send people into every town and every city that was under Rome's authority. And they would send out this messenger And he would usually have a scroll or a piece of paper, and it would have something written on it. And what he was sharing was called the gospel. Come on. We going somewhere. And so he would go to these towns, and there would be, later on, they found these left over from that time period, that it would say something written like this. This is the gospel of the Son of God. Caesar Augustus. And then it would go on in whatever city or town they were in, they would say because of Caesar, because it's propaganda they're preaching, because of Caesar Augustus or the gospel of Caesar Augustus, because he is so great and he is so wonderful, this son of God has brought peace and prosperity and victory to all of us And by the Son of God, we are saved. This is the gospel of Caesar Augustus. The good news. So the gospel means good news. And so when Jesus used this term good news, it was a complete attack to the counter culture of Rome. It was a complete attack against the wannabe emperor or so-called king. When Paul used it, it was the same way. He was saying, no, you thought this guy was the king. No, he's not the king. This guy was the son of God. No, he's not the son of God. There is a real son of God, and his name is Jesus Christ. And through him, through his gospel or his good news, he's the one who's really brought peace and prosperity and victory to all of us. And we are free in him. So when... They heard the gospel in those times. They already knew what that meant. That meant good news. But in the time and day that they lived, they thought it meant good news about just a king or an emperor. But Jesus said, no, the gospel is about the kingdom of God. The good news is about the kingdom of God. It's about the king above all other kings. It's about the kingdom above all other kingdoms. It's about the true and living God, not just a fake human God, but the real and living God. That's the real gospel and good news. And Paul, who was a very influential man, would say in Romans, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. I'm not ashamed of it. Because in that day, you could get killed for it. If you said you were preaching another gospel than the gospel of Rome or Caesar. But Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The good news. Because the good news is about Jesus. But you know, those people that went town to town and spread the good news were called evangelists. We know this even in modern times before they had cell phones or computers or anything like that, even in this country, when, when the slaves were freed, there would be somebody who would go from town to town because they wouldn't know the information. They couldn't turn on the news, and they would say, hey, guys, in Washington, D.C., the president just said, you guys are free. You're free. And that person was someone who shared the good news. When they would win a great victory or battle, they would go from town to town and say, here's the gospel. Here's the good news. We just won a great victory. So that's why it's important to know not just the words, but the meaning behind the words and why why they were used in that time. Are you still with me? But the gospel is 
good news. It means good news. Real simple. And the good news is about Jesus. You could just write this down in your notes, but in 2 Timothy 4, 5, Paul speaking to Timothy, he says, I want you to do the work of an evangelist. Now, Paul wasn't an evangelist. He was a pastor. But he said, in your personal life, you need to be an evangelist. And I'm saying that for you, too. In your personal life, you need to be an evangelist. Now, what's an evangelist? Someone who shares the good news. And the New Living Translation, it says, work to tell others the good news. So let me give you a few other things about the good news before we talk about some real practical things. The gospel doesn't just mean good news. It is good news. We live in a world full of bad news and bad reports everywhere we turn. It's exhausting. It's depressing. It's tiring. And people are looking for some good news. They're looking for some hope. They're looking for some meaning. The gospel is good news. The sad part is a lot of churches and Christians are just as negative or worse than the world around them. And we're wondering why no one wants what we have and we say we have the answer because you're saying bad news just like everyone else. No, the gospel is good news. It's good news. We need to live that. We need to speak that. We need to share that. It's good news about everything. Because of Jesus, that's good news about everything in our life. It's changed everything. The gospel is not just that we're going to make it to heaven one day. That's part of it. The gospel is the news that because of Jesus, we are forgiven. We are set free. We are made new. We get a new life and a new start and a new purpose and a new meaning. We are translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We are no longer sons of the devil. We are sons of the living God. That we are in a new kingdom, a kingdom that cannot be shaken, a kingdom that cannot fall, that the gates of the hell will not prevail against the church and what we're a part of. There's good news about everything. There's good news that God wants to do something in the here and now and not just wait till you get to heaven. That God wants to save you now. He wants to heal you now. He wants to prosper you now. He wants to give you a sound mind now. And then we get heaven on top of that. And there's even good news when you talk about death. The gospel is good news. There's not bad news. Paul said it himself, if I live or if I die, it doesn't even matter. You know why? Because it's good news. If I stay here, it's for you. If I go to heaven, it's far better than here. I'm not losing either way. Come on, believer. We need to remind ourselves of that. It's good news even in death, even in the worst situations, even in depression, even in anxiety, even in the loss of a loved one, even in cancer, even in depression, even in suicide. There's still hope because of the gospel and the good news. And the gospel is good news, not just when we all get to heaven, everything will be good. That's great, but it's much more than that. And we sell people short when we just say, you just need to get your life to God and you'll get to heaven one day. That's it. That's all he died for? And they're thinking to hang around with more grumpy, negative people like you? Why would I want to go there? And I've been to your church and it's boring. And you say you're going to worship like you for the rest of eternity. No, thanks. No, thanks. Come on, let's talk real in the house of God. But the gospel is good news. 
doesn't just mean good news. It is good news. Pertaining to everything in your life. Romans says it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. It's the goodness of God. It's not you beating them over the head, telling them how bad they are. They already know that. It's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. It's sharing the goodness of God. What's the goodness of God? The good news, the gospel. It's the goodness and mercy and kindness of God that leads us to repentance. So the gospel just doesn't mean good news. It is good news. Here's another thing about the gospel. The gospel is not just good advice. It's good news. The gospel is not something that, and really American Christians are in this category a lot. We have a thing in our country, it's called like cultural Christianity. Or Bible Belt Christianity. It's because we live here, we grew up here, it's just kind of a part of us, and it's not really ours. And a lot of Christians treat the gospel like good advice. Like, if I'm a Christian, that means my life will get a little bit better. And people will think a little bit better about me if I go to church. If I say I'm a Christian, maybe I'll apply some of the teachings in the Bible because it's good advice to my life. But the gospel is not just good advice for your life. It's not something to add to your Facebook profile. I'm a Christian. Religion, Christian. It's, it's not something to say, I go to church here and I'm a Christian here because it's just, it'll just make my life a little bit better. No, that's not the gospel. Does the Bible have good advice in it? Duh. But the gospel isn't good advice, it's good news. The good news is this. I got to calm down, but I got to say this first. (laughs) The good news is this, that apart from God, all the good advice in the world could not get you out of the pit that you were in, could not save you, could not deliver you. I don't care how many self-help books and Bible lessons you read, you're still a sinner going to hell forever. And the good news is the gospel comes in and saves your life. And Jesus died for you. He saved you. He healed you. He delivered you. He's given you a new life no matter how much good advice you followed in your life. Apart from God, you were still dead, broken, and a complete idiot. Yes, all of you were, including me. Weren't we? We were hopeless We could not find our way back to God. And the good news is not that God wants to save bad people and make them better. The gospel is that God saved dead people and made them alive. Not bad people to a little better or good people to great. No, it's called sinful, broken, nasty, dead. God saved us and brought us alive. That's the gospel. Not good advice for how to live your life. If you thought about that every day, it would change the way you lived. The gospel is the good news can I go a little bit further and I'm going to close in Mark 15 16 it says to go into all the world and preach the gospel now the thing is a lot of you in here say well I am not a preacher not a preacher but you are though you are a preacher. All of us are preachers in here. And we're all preaching a gospel. All of us are preaching a gospel and living a gospel, whether it's the real gospel of Jesus Christ or another gospel. We are all preachers and we're all preaching a gospel. 
So this idea I'm not a preacher is not true. You might not be in the pulpit preacher, but you're a preacher. Because all of you are spewing your agenda, your worldview, your way of life, your gospel, whatever, all day long. You're living that, whatever you really believe. You're sharing that on Facebook and no one cares. You're doing all sorts of stuff like that all day long. You're preaching the gospel all the time. But Jesus says, I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Not just whatever you want to preach, but the good news about Jesus. What does preach mean? It doesn't mean get behind a pulpit. It means proclaim, to tell, to share, to give away to others. Can you do that? Yes, you can. You don't have to have a mic to do that. And we are to proclaim, to tell, to share the good news to other people. I got a few more things and we are going to close today. The first thing I want to share with you is this. Now, we've been talking about changing your world. We've been talking about you change the world by preaching the gospel. We talked about what is the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus. But how do we practically share the good news? Now, this is just the first of many messages. Well, the first thing I want to say is this. Before you share the gospel, this is what needs to happen in all of us first. Because this is really the root on why we aren't sharing our faith freely right now. I'm talking to me too. The gospel has to change you before it changes anyone else. Everybody's like, change the world. And God's saying, change yourself. <laughs> because changed people change the world. You guys wanted me to say what other people needed to hear. <laughs> but the reality is this, if we're ever going to share the gospel in our personal lives, and not just doing it out of duty... Or, uh, man, pastor convicted me this past week. I better say something to somebody this week. Hey, you know the gospel? You know about Jesus? No. Okay, thanks. Can I have my coffee? That's, I just don't want to feel guilty when I go back to church next week. If you're doing it for that reason, just keep your mouth shut and drink your iced latte. Because your heart's not in it. Listen to this. If we're going to share the gospel, the gospel has to change you before it changes anyone else. Changed people change the world. Now, now hear me here, and I know this is going to be slightly convicting, but, but this is the root of the issue. Now, hear me here. Why does this happen? All of us have been here before. When all of us first got saved, this is going to be really Really good. When all of us first got saved, what happened? The gospel changed us. And you know how you acted, and you know now how new believers act. What are they? They're soul winners. They are always sharing their faith. They don't have to be told to share their faith. They just share their faith. They don't have to be told to be a soul winner. They just win souls. Why? Because the gospel is so freshly changed them. The gospel is so real to them because they realize what they were a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, a couple years ago. They don't have to be pushed and forced into personal evangelism. Or guilted into sharing their faith. They just do it. Why? Because the gospel has changed them. And so they want to change others with the gospel. 
I want to get us to the root of the issue. So for all of us in here who are not sharing our faith or having it in a long time, what's the root of the issue? The gospel hasn't changed you in a long time. You've forgotten the gospel. No, pastor, I didn't forget I'm saved. No, but you forgot the gospel. You forgot where you were before you got saved. You forgot what you were before Jesus changed your life. The gospel is not fresh in you and alive in you and real to you anymore if you don't share the good news on an ongoing basis. I know that's convicting, but that's the truth. The gospel has died and gone stagnant and dormant in your life if you never share your faith without having to be convicted or forced by someone else. And my message today is not to force you or push you to share your gospel because you won't do it after you stop hearing this message. The message is, let's get to the root of the issue, is that we all need the gospel to be alive in our personal life, and the outflow of that will be evangelism. If the gospel gets real in me, me, it's going to spill out into my conversations with my family, with my school, with my coworkers, not because I'm forced to do it, but because the gospel is alive and real in me and it's not dead and dormant like I know that happened 15 years ago, but it's not real to you anymore. That's why you don't share your faith anymore. That's why you don't share the good news anymore. But think back. When you first got saved, you couldn't shut up about the goodness of God. Why? Because the gospel has changed you. And if you can be quiet about it now, the gospel isn't real to you anymore. It's not. I love you, but it's not. The good news is you can get it back. How do you get it back? Well, you have to preach the gospel to yourself before you preach it to anyone else. If I wake up every day and spend time with God and get in his word and I preach the good news to myself first, when I go out, it's just going to flow out of me. It's going to be an overflow. It's going to be an outflow to anyone I come into contact with. If I keep my mind and my heart in the good news of Jesus, it's just going to come out. Just like you did when you first got saved. You didn't take a personal evangelism course when you got saved. No one even told you to share your faith. It had changed your life. So you told people about it. You know, we're more likely to tell people about a restaurant (laughs) that changed our life than Jesus. Why? You guys do that. Why? Because it's real to you. Because you just experienced it. It's alive to you. Or a sports team you love. It just flows out of you. No one has to beg you to talk. Why? Because it's real to you. And it's changed you. But why don't we share the gospel that way? It's not real to you anymore. I'm not saying you're not saved. But I'm saying the good news is not alive to you like it used to be. So if we're going to share the gospel, we need to let it change us before it changes anyone else. We need to preach the gospel to ourselves before you preach it to anyone else. The gospel needs to be real in you so it can be real to others. I know everyone in here, your heart is to change your world and to share the good news. This is where you start. If not, you'll feel convicted for a few days and then forget about what I said. Like we all do in other messages. It has to become real. you the last thing I want to share is this the Holy Spirit will give you power to share the gospel and fulfill your mission now remember earlier we said it's a co-mission God and us 
The whole New Testament is about the work of the Holy Spirit and the church to fulfill the mission of God. In the end of Revelation, it says the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, and the bride, that's the church, say come. The Spirit and the church are working together to fulfill the co-mission of God. The whole book of Acts is the Spirit of God and the early church working together to change the known world. And they did. But that same Holy Spirit still wants to work through His church and through us today. And notice what it says at the beginning of the book of Acts. Acts 1 and verse 8. And you will receive power and ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And notice what will happen when that power and ability comes. And you will be my witnesses to tell people about me. That's the good news. Both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, this is a very Pentecostal passage. We quote it all the time, talking about the power of God, <laughs> talking about tongues, talking about laying hands on the sick, talking about seeing them recover. We, we quote this so much, and we talk about the power, the power, the power, the power. It's true. But what's the number one reason God gave us the power? It says to be a witness. And I don't want to step on no toes here, but literally the last thing that Pentecostals and Charismatics get to is power to be a witness. And that's the first thing the scripture said. The Holy Spirit came to bring power to be a witness. And notice it says, to Jerusalem, to Judea, and to the ends of the earth. He gave you power to change your world. But that happens by you being a witness. The Spirit of God has come on you not so you can just pray in tongues. I'm for that. Shandai, Shandai, time my bow I'm there. I'm on team tongues. I've always been. I'm on team lay hands on the sick. I'm on team cast out devils. I'm on team prophesy. On the team. My whole life. Love it. Don't know anything else besides it. But the number one reason the Holy Spirit came with all his power was for you to be a witness and share the good news to your world and change it. That's the number one reason he came. Now, the other things are extra benefits and gifts you have. But the number one reason he came was that you would be a witness to others of the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, that's encouraging because when you share your faith, it's not just you. It's not just up to you. You can depend on the Holy Spirit when you share the gospel or the good news. The Spirit of God is going to help me share this with power, and I'm going to make an impact. The Holy Spirit is going to give me the words to say and how to say it, and he's going to help me share the good news and be a witness because his word says he came to give me power to be a witness. Now, what's a witness? A witness is someone who shares the news of what they have seen and what they have heard and what they have experienced. Or we could say, that's telling your story. Christians, we make it so complicated. You're like, if I don't know all the right verses, I'm not going to say anything. No. If I don't know all the apologetics and the existence of God, because they're going to debate me. <laughs> Most people aren't. God says all you need to do is share the good news about me, what you have seen, what you have experienced, what you have heard in your life, 
the good news about how I have changed your life, how I have healed you, how I have set you free, how I have saved you, how I changed your family and your children and your grandchildren, how I brought you out of poverty into prosperity, how I made an impact on your life and how you think differently and you speak differently and how everything is different. All you need to do is share the good news of your story about what Jesus has done in your life. That's the gospel. That's you sharing the gospel. Is that hard to do? No, it's not. It just takes some courage and some faith to step out and do it. But the good news is when you do it, what does it say? The Holy Spirit will give you power when you do it. He'll give you the words to say. He'll give you the power in that situation that the presence of God could be right there with your coworker. I've seen it happen. Have you ever had a conversation like that? You're talking to somebody and you're like, something switched here. Because I'm saying things. I'm thinking, well, that's good. <laughs> what are you talking about? That's good what you're saying to them. I don't know what's happening. I can feel it when I go eat with people sometimes. I'm talking to them like that's not me. Who is it? That's the Holy Spirit in me giving me the words to say. And I can see that it's impacting them and it's going into them in a different way. Why? Because the Spirit of God will give you power to be a witness. Power to share the good news. Power to share the gospel. So Pentecostals, that's what we are. Let's believe in the power in this area. That's why he gave it to you, to be a witness, to share the good news. But it takes courage. It takes faith to step out. I know you guys think I'm really bold and really loud. But outside of the pulpit, I'm really not. One-on-one, -on -one, you'd be surprised. I get more nervous talking to people one-on-one -on -one than all of you. Like, I'm not nervous talking to all of you right now, but if one of you came up to talk to me, I would be nervous. I know it's hard to believe. And some of you are the opposite. Some of you would never want to stand up here, but you're great one-on-one. -on -one. Then there's people like Amzie who's great at both. It's not fair. So, so trust me, if sometimes you come up to talk to me, I seem a little quiet or I seem like I'm not super talkative. It's not because I don't like you. It's because like my nerves are going like, what am I going to say? I'm the pastor. I need to think of something really quick here. <laughs> Has anyone been there before? In one-on-one -on -one conversations, you're just like. T -t 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 -t. But in other settings, it just flows freely. But the good news is whether you're extroverted or introverted or whatever verted you are. That God says if you step out and share the gospel, the spirit of God will be right there with you. And he's going to give you the words to say. And he's going to give you the power to say it. And the presence of God will be there. But you just got to share the good news about him. And you don't got to tell what he did for other people. Just tell what he did for you. Your story. People can out-argue you if you're just trying to argue and debate about God. Or some people are just ridiculous. And even if you made more sense than they did, they would still argue with you. There's a couple people in the church like that. <laughs> Joking. Even if you had a great, okay, anyways, I won't say names. I was about to. Okay, let me say, no. <laughs> Even if you had a perfect debate and you made perfect sense, they would still argue the other point anyway, okay. But you know what people cannot argue with? Your story. They can't out-debate your story. 
They can't out-debate your experience. They can't out-debate what Jesus has done in your life. They could bring up anything else, but they can't say your story because you have experienced it. You saw it. You felt it. It changed your life. No one can out-argue your story, and that's all that God wants you to share is the good news, the gospel about what he's done in your life and your story. And that's how we change the world. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.